morning, everyone. I hope you're all having a, a, just a delightful day. It's just a, it amazes me every year this time how things on the south side, whether it's a road ditch or a building or a barn or the house, how the the snow on the south side of everything just pretty much disappears. And the north side, <laughs> it still clings on it. And I know it's the tilt of the northern hemisphere away from the sun during the winter, and it gets more sunlight to hit the south side, and that helps to melt away ice and snow. And the north side receives less direct sun. It casts a shadow, and it makes the temperatures cooler north of a shed or building or ditch. But it's still just amazing <laughs> what a difference. It's like you're in two different states or two different climate zones. It's incredible how that does. And uh, I just love seeing it. And um, we see uh, the flowers popping up very often on the south sides of things. And it's just it's just really cool to see those. It, you know, all our lives we've been told it's those little things that make makes all the difference. And, well, boy, that's one of the little things, just to get out and look at the south side of stuff. Well, you know how I know it's spring, Al. I do, because you told me, but <laughs> tell everyone. Well, first of all, I wanted to just let you know, on the south side of the house, there were hundreds of crocus that were up. So that's one thing, beautiful purple and yellow. But the other one, I was out yesterday working in the, the gardens at the lake house, and I got bit by a mosquito, my first bite of the year, and it bit me in a spot on my back that I cannot itch. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, I, I, I can't believe they're out already, but I, I not only felt one, but I, I saw some around, and my son saw wasps, so everything's waking up. We um, we checked with Rose Sanctuary last night, my wife and I, just see how many cranes are still down by uh, Gibbon, Nebraska, and there's still still a lot of them where they have the uh, the cam there, the crane cam. And then I just checked, uh, there's an Eagle Watch cam that's different. It's not a Nest cam, really, and they offer a live, this one offers a live view of the Mississippi River at the National Eagle Center in Wabasha. And, and you're supposed to be able to watch, you know, the eagles catch fish, soar over the river, perch on trees, and all those kind of things. But when I looked at it, it was dark. And what I saw were incredible amounts of insects going by the camera. And, of course, they, uh, they were just little kind of blurry things going by, so there was no way to identify any of them. I'm guessing a lot of them were of the moth variety. But it was it's just, you know, I get excited about seeing all those insects. So it was pretty cool uh, turning that on and just seeing that. Uh, of course, I didn't see any eagles at that time of day, but I'll, I'll try later. Uh, Sandy Peeper, just heard from Sandy, she's from Twin Lakes, and she had Peeper's uh, Western Wear store in uh, beautiful downtown Albert Lee for many years. And she said she had a beautiful flicker hit the window, and it did not survive. And, uh, yeah, flickers. And the thing with flickers is they hit, it seems like they hit it at maximum speed. They're just going like crazy and bam. And Sandy says she has a pileated woodpecker tree, a dead tree that's just kind of rotted, and it's filled with ants. And it's the tree has pretty much became a hole now. As the pileated, they've just, uh, they make those big oblong holes in there as they hunt for ants. 
Uh, Jerry Victor of Allendale, a red-bellied woodpecker, great horned owls, cowbirds, killdeers, lots of spring stuff. Uh, Bruce Peters of Fairmont said, I haven't sent you a bird picture in a few years. I was lucky to spot a brown creeper this afternoon. Sent me a lovely photo of a brown creeper, which are just such lovely little birds. Uh, Neil Bad of Heartland has a Cooper's Hawk uh, in the neighborhood. Uh, Chad Hines saw a lesser black-backed gull at Lake Crystal. And Jim Grotty, Jim's from uh, Fairmont, said that the Martin County Conservation Club is holding its annual Birdhouse Day from 10 a.m. till noon this Saturday, April 15th, at the Martin County Conservation Club on the south end of North Silver Lake. And the club property, I'll rattle this off, but uh, you can probably find it elsewhere easier than trying to write this down if you're interested. But it's about seven miles south of Fairmont on Highway State Highway 15, and then you turn west on County Highway 8, and it's about a mile and a quarter. And if some are familiar with that area, it's just past Hands Park. Hands like he has two hands. <laughs> and they're giving away wood duck, bluebird, slash tree swallow, and wren houses. Uh, and they're giving them away, uh, as you might expect, at no cost. So it's mm. a, a nice thing. And I appreciate all the good work that Jim and Steve Maurice and many others have done through the years. Um, Jim and um, Steve said, oh, they're just wearing out and so are their saws so they're gonna <laughs> just um, move on to other things i just watched two squirrels fight over a buried uh, i don't know what they were fighting over it's something buried in the ground that one had dug up and the other one said hey i'm pretty <laughs> sure i'm the one that buried that so they had a big uh, fight over whatever the one had unearthed i think it was a walnut but i'm not sure so i thought i think there's a tv show called storage wars yeah maybe maybe these two have been watching that because this was storage wars it was it was fun to watch them uh listeners said what is a group of cedar wax wings called i saw a flock well i think a flock is really a good name for them and other collective nouns the ones that i hear the one i hear most often is a museum oh. a museum of cedar wax wings but i've also heard an earful and i've heard an earful in a number of different ways but one is a collective noun for cedar wax wings uh, Jerry Victoria, who I mentioned earlier, he's from Ellendale. He has a yard full of wild turkeys, and he said they just kind of disappeared uh, here a little short while ago. And he asked why they would just disappear. You know, they didn't call, they didn't leave a message, there was nothing, they just left. Turkeys like large, older trees with substantial horizontal branches. So when you think about it, they're a big bird. They want a big branch for, for roosting. And Jerry has a bunch of those out there, so his property has those. Oaks are perfect. And they also like white pines when they can find them and where they can find them. In spring, summer, and fall, hay fields, pastures, open woods are important forage areas for insects, berries, seeds, Young turkeys need high-protein insects during their first couple months of life. But by late fall, turkeys depend on acorns, grains, fruits, and berries, and they flock together for safety. 
and acorns are a staple of their winter diet and waste corn in fields can be another. So south-facing slopes are important foraging and, rest, and resting areas. If they just want to, like, it's like a lounge for them because of the increased snow melt that it exposes food. Manure spread on fields provides another additional source of grain. But turkeys struggle when powdery snow depths exceed 10 inches for 20 consecutive days. It gets pretty tough, and they could even some starvation could be a problem. Uh, south and east-facing slopes are preferred by roosting turkeys because of the early sunlight and for feeding areas sheltered from northwest winds during the winter. Turkeys don't always roost in the same place, and they are like deer in that they shift to different parts of their home range throughout the year. They spend more time roosting in favored locations than anywhere else, and there's a greater roost site loyalty or roost site fidelity shown by turkeys in open terrain than by turkeys in heavily forested areas. I told uh, Jerry, I said, something must be bothering them. It's, uh, you know, hard telling what it could be, but something must be. And uh, I heard from Jerry later, he said a great horned owl uh-huh. turned out to be the thing making his turkeys nervous enough to go absent without <laughs> leave for a while. So it, uh, t- great horned owls are just, uh, they're incredible, incredible animals. Uh, I this was neat. I actually heard from two people that had kind of the same problem, but I liked the the way this one was phrased. There was a headless rabbit in my yard. Oh. Was it Colonel Mustard in the library <laughs> with a candlestick? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'd put nothing past Colonel Mustard. I never trusted the guy. I just I blamed him for pretty much everything in that game. Clue. But when folks encounter such a sight as a headless rabbit and they perform a thorough crime scene investigation, they come up with a list of the usual prospects. Who are they going to blame? A cat, a Colonel Mustard, a celebrity chef, because you never know what those guys are eating. I'd take Colonel Mustard off that suspect list, and, and I don't know, I, I'd leave the celebrity chef on there, but I'd guess that the culprit was an owl. A great horned owl's signature method when dealing with larger prey, which a rabbit is to them, because an owl doesn't weigh that much, is to behead the victim before it's taken the owl's nests or eating perch. So there was a study in Kansas, and they checked 28 owl kills in this study. 60% of the prey items were decapitated. And a great horned owl has this deadly grip with just incredible force. And they can use their talons and probably will use their bill, too, to cleave a bunny head as fast as a rodeo cowboy can rope a steer. And apparently, rabbit brains and eyes are a delicacy for owls. They're nutritious, they're full of fats and proteins. So I'm going to say that uh, the poor bunny went by way of an owl. 
Uh, Jim Amankato said, my friend Sparky asked me to email you. He is not the Internet kind of guy. He has noticed that the spring skunk smell most mornings, so he hasn't seen any out and about. Yeah, there's a, I saw one that had been out and about. I had a meeting early this morning, and there was a dead skunk on the side of the road instead of the middle of the road where they're supposed to be, according to the song. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, still it's a sign of spring. Uh, two bald eagles <clears throat> were possibly engaged in courtship, or maybe they were fighting above Lionel Lakes, and things got a little out of hand. They crashed to the ground, according to police. Witnesses said the two eagles locked together in flight before they spiraled downward and crashed on an asphalt lock, or lock, locked according to the Lionel Lakes Police Department. One of the two eagles flew away, but the other sustained an injury to the wing. The DNR transported the bird to the University of Minnesota's Raptor Center for treatment, and uh, a fellow at the National Eagle Center in Wabasha said the Lionel Lakes police were correct in describing the two possible scenarios for why the eagles were locked in flight at this time of the year. They were either engaged in courtship called cartwheel display, or they were fighting. So uh, the wait one a minute, that, Car- uh, cartwheel display. So so if somebody's going to court and they should ha- learn to do a cartwheel and, and show off in front. of the other just one. lock hands and uh, do a cartwheel yeah okay. it's it's amazing how they do this and i don't know you know is that a good if i don't know if that's a good courtship to go down and crash into asphalt <laughs> I, I guess if you're fighting then you're gonna say well yeah. i'm not gonna let go and the other one's saying i'm not gonna let go and then you can see it happen you would think if it's a courtship they'd be more likely to to release after a yeah. while, if they're really interested in furthering the relationship, you want to make sure both of you survive. Where if you're fighting, and you're just saying, well, we're going down, and you're going to stay down. Which, So the one that uh, flew away was either a loser in uh, love or a winner in battle. So I'm not sure which one it was, but it was uh, quite a thing for people to see. And boy, thanks to the police department there and the DNR and the good folks at the Raptor Center. And uh, I hope they will put the uh, the injured one back on the road or back in the air. Uh, a listener says, thank you. I enjoy you and Karen in the morning. Well, thank you. I'm watching... I see this every year. Why do little birds mob bigger birds? You know, that's, I guess, no one has probably come up with a complete explanation. It may prevent predators from taking smaller birds by surprise or an attempt to drive away danger. I watch crows mob an owl, and they seem to use it as an enjoyable bonding experience. They just have a great time doing that. I watched a turkey vulture fly low over a marsh last year, and he was just mobbed by oodles of red-winged blackbirds. They just drove him out of there. And, of course, the turkey vulture, he's no threat to any of them, but yet they all came together. So, I, you know, 
maybe it's just a way for different species to get together for our common good, but I'm thinking they're just saying we need to drive this villain out of our neighborhood here. We can't be having him here. And I, you know, why else would you uh, put yourself on the line, uh, so to speak, with a dangerous, uh, a dangerous bird? But I think that's it. And again, I need to preface that with we just don't know why they do it for sure. But uh, it's something that you'll see, whether it's a Cooper's hawk being mobbed by chickadees and nuthatches or a screech owl being mobbed by those, or uh, everything mobbing a great horned owl. They are uh, rabbits maybe should mob great horned owls. They might have better (laughs) luck that way, so... Uh, a listener said, uh, I read in a magazine where it said I should put out dryer lint for birds to use in their nests. Is, is that a good idea? It, probably not. And thanks for putting stuff out for them. But dryer lint, it quickly loses its fluffiness and structure when it gets wet, and then it becomes unsustainable in the rain. So then it'll crumble and leave holes in the nest. So wet lint is sticky. I would think it could coat birds' legs, feet, and feathers. And then I don't know about the chemicals from the perfumed and dyed detergents or possibly toxic to to baby birds. So, no, it's really nice of you to think of that, but it's maybe not the best. But, Al, do you know what it is good for, all that dryer lint? You take like an old egg carton, you know, one of those cardboard type egg cartons, you stuff them full of the lint, you know, each one of the little 12 uh, holes, and then you pour melted wax over top, cut them apart, and they make excellent, excellent fire starters. We use those, and then you use up your lint, you use up your, um, your egg cartons, and then you use up old candles that maybe weren't big enough to, to be melted any or to be used anymore. Oh, that's a great idea. Works yeah. like a charm. I, I, egg cartons. My Our good neighbors, Duke and Carla, brought over some Easter eggs, the green <laughs> yeah. eggs. I just say, uh, there are Araucanas, Araucanas, Americana, uh, various names for this chicken breed that oh. lays kind of greenish, sometimes they're kind of bluish eggs. And we raised them for years, and uh, I used to... T- We'd take them into the local uh, grocery store, and they'd sell them at Easter time as Easter eggs. And they're just like any other egg, but uh, it was really nice of them to bring it over, so I appreciate them. A uh, listener named David said, I heard you talk about Godwit on the radio. What is the origin of that name? And there are a number of species of Godwits, and the origin of that mysterious moniker is obscure. Uh, some have suggested the name comes from, there's an old English, I think it's spelled G-O-D-W-I-H-T, so they add an H in there, where the bird's name does not have that. And that means, like, good good creature probably would be um, correspond to that. But the Oxford English Dictionary, which um, I love the Oxford English Dictionary, it considers the term as likely have been imitative of the bird's call. So most etymological sources find the origin of the Godwit name to be unknown. So it's... uh, David also asks, what is a spongy moth? 
Yeah, you think uh, you know, SpongeBob SquarePants with wings flying around. A spongy <laughs> moth. The name was adopted as the new common name for the moth species formerly known as the gypsy moth. And there's an Entomological Society of America that came up with this name. And the new name comes from the translation of a French name based on the destructive forest pest sponge-like egg masses. And I suppose it's kinder than calling it a gypsy moth. So now they are spongy moths. And uh, I know uh, folks have put up gypsy moth traps, so now they're putting up spongy moth traps. So it's... uh, I watched a red-tailed hawk today when I was driving. Uh, I had um, a meeting in the the, oh, it, the the traffic in the downtown area of Heartland. 314 people. There had to be three or four of them on the road at the same time. It was just insane. But I had a meeting there. But on the way, I watched a red-tailed hawk, and it was mantling prey, like Mickey Mantle, that spelling with a T-L, mantling prey. And mantling involves a hawk spreading its wings and covering its prey in an attempt to hide it from the eyes of other animals that may want to steal its catch, probably another hawk somewhere. And this hawk was giving a dirty look at several crows that were standing nearby as if they were jackals at a lion kill. So they were just uh, anxious to get in there and get something to eat. I don't know what the... uh, what the hawk had i would it was in a road ditch so i'm guessing it was uh in probably a rodent could have been a squirrel because there's a lot of squirrels out there roaming around in road ditches they're going out in fields and finding corn which is a great idea to have food but it puts them out in the open where there are hawks and things sitting on uh, utility poles and so it puts them in uh, oh, their life is in danger when they're out there but it could have been a vole or something the reason i think it's a squirrel or something larger is because of the presence of the crows i don't think they would have come over there for a a vole and the hawk would have probably just grabbed the vole and flew away so it's probably something larger and the crows are hoping they'll be leftovers <laughs> Uh, I'm watching nuthatches up there. One flew and now the other one flew. I have a red-breasted nuthatch on one feeder and a white-breasted nuthatch on another feeder. Uh, I know that white-breasted nuthatch pairs remain together on nesting territory all year, so they may mate for life. And if you watch them, they do a courtship display, and the male will raise his head, he'll spread his tail and droop his wings, and then he sways back and forth, and then he bows deeply to the female. And then he will perform court courtship feeding. He'll take like a sunflower seed and said, here you go, honey, like cardinals do. And it's really neat to see them, but it's a, a neat little dance this tiny little bird does. And uh, yeah, I don't know what music he's hearing. He's hearing it only in his mind, but it's a, it's a fun thing to watch them. And they do, uh, like a lot of birds that spend time together all winter, like the cardinals do, the male is 
he's a little more aggressive than the female, so he maybe will chase her away from food. But uh, when this time of year comes around, he becomes that sweetie that she knew all along <laughs> that somewhere inside he was just a sweet bird. So it's neat to see all those things. Um, Cardinals, I'm watching, uh, had one lost his tail here, but they seem to be doing well. If you want Cardinals, plant berry bushes and probably evergreens. They like black oil sunflower seeds. Uh, So if you put them into feeders, they especially like platform feeders. Uh, The safflower seeds, a lot of people will, will feed them. Uh, here, it seems like the safflower seeds are mainly eaten by morning doves and house finches. And I saw a white turkey the other day, and I don't know if it was a leukistic turkey. I suppose it could have been an albino, but it didn't look like it had red eyes. It could have been an escaped domestic turkey, because if you notice the domestic turkeys, most of them are white and why are they white? Well, they, white turkeys didn't become common until the late 1930s and early 1940s. And farmers bred white turkeys because the white feathers are less visible on dress carcasses. And the birds have a lighter skin color, which appeals to consumers. So it's, it's all us that we have white turkeys. So it's all about the looks. It is indeed, yeah, because huh. before they looked just like uh, the dem- the wild turkeys. They had those same colors of bronze and browns and everything in there, but it's, it's amazing how consumers, and there's so many things that we see in the grocery shelves that are, uh, uh, their colors changed a little bit from what it had been just because that's the way we like to see things. Hmm. Uh, do owls eat carrion? I see vultures on the road eating them, crows, do owls. Uh, You know, and hawks once in a while, too, I see them. But owls aren't thought of as scavengers, but the behavior is more widespread probably than we believe. I believe it was, I want to say the University of Illinois did research, and they found that owls do scavenge, and most of the carcasses fed upon were mammals, especially those with hooves, so primarily deer here. And I have seen an owl on a dead deer. I think maybe twice I've seen that. I assume they were young owls, but I don't know that for sure because I wasn't close enough. But they uh, they will certainly carry in. And, boy, if you're a young owl and you're not real uh, talented in the hunting area, and uh, a car comes and hits a deer and just pretty much drops it in your lap, so to speak, why would you not go out there and see if you could find something to eat? And that's what they're doing. It's just uh, eagles love venison, so they're out there. And, again, particularly young ones, probably um, the older ones now with open water are probably fishing a little bit more. But, again, if you're a young bald eagle and fairly inept at the old finding food thing, you're going to be out there saying, oh, there's venison. This is my lucky day. Well, speaking of roadkill, does does it, I don't know, like people, you don't want to eat rotten meat, so does it not affect birds? Because a lot of times you'll see roadkill that's been there maybe for, I don't know, a while, and you'll still see crows and other things feeding on it. So is there not something with the bacteria or something that it, when it decays that don't they get sick or does that not affect them? 
they don't seem to very often. If there's poisons in there, that's certainly a problem. Owls have a lot of problem with rat poisons and mouse poisons because they're killing a mouse or a rat that's still alive but has poison in its system. Mm -hmm. But like vultures, they have enzymes in their system that will kill most bacteria that would harm them. And crows, uh, they apparently have cast iron gizzards where they can just eat pretty much anything. I think hawks and owls probably eat around it, and uh, I bet a lot of you grew up like I did. You'd say, well, there's something wrong with this meat or something I'm eating, and you'd hear, well, just eat around it. So you'd eat around it, and I think that's probably what they're doing. And, uh, of course, they're built different than us, and they can take a lot more of that kind of thing. But uh, for the most part, hawks and owls would not be eating, I wouldn't think, stuff that had gone too far past its best use by date. Hmm. They will, uh, owls will cache foods in the nest, but when they're nesting, it's pretty cold, so a lot of that food is kind of put into a freezer and keeps pretty well. Speaking of caching food, I'm noticing as I was working outside, there's a lot of um, nuts and things on the top of the ground. Are, are the squirrels and whatever else chipmunks going to be starting to dig up those now that spring is here and the ground is unthawed? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they will because there's a little bit of a shortage of food for them now. And then if you see your buddy the voles trails, Ugh. you can see where they've uh, had like little pantries where they've cached nuts and things under the snow. And it's nice and warm under there. usually stays above freezing. So they have all these, uh, they're like hamster trails. And uh, it's just they have these little pantries chipmunks they have their pantries underground and they are probably running short on that too so they will be visiting bird feeders a little more at a hectic pace both squirrels and chipmunks because they they need food but uh, as the storage wars here in my yard with these two bozos one of them digging up that walnut and boy first i thought it was just uh, the you know they were interested in one another that kind of thing but no no they were battling over this walnut or whatever it was there i couldn't tell it had mud on it and everything but hey uh, thanks everybody for sitting on the front porch with us i remember wearing my best cheap suit at the snazziest hotel I'd ever been to, and I attempted to act civilized while being blinded by the flash and dazzle. I was getting an award for doing what I was supposed to do and would be expected to mumble a few words. I'd get to eat like a famished wolverine by using more forks than necessary. I'd been advised, you always get uh, helpful (laughs) advisements. I'd been advised I shouldn't drink from the gravy boat. I thought that was important. (laughs) And there would be restroomed attendants. Restroom attendants, what's up with that? And they said it was important to tip the restroom attendants. Well, I figured they were there to keep me from using the display towels because no guy (laughs) understands display towels, those towels that are in every bathroom that nobody's supposed to use. So I visited a restroom to make sure my tie and my smile were straight before I headed off to the ballroom for the banquet. And I gave a dollar bill to a man standing there and thanked him for his good work. And he seemed surprised, but took my money. 
And I worried that the tip had been too small, but learned later that the hotel had no restroom attendants. <laughs> so somebody owes me a dollar. <laughs> Remember, folks, heartlessness while we're driving past. Thanks for listening to me. Uh, do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. And thank you, Karen, as always, for your wonderful company. And I hope that's uh, the only mosquito bite of the year for I you. I do, too. Thanks, Al. It's always great to have you on. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.